Hi, welcome to the Employco HR podcast. I'm Rob Wilson. With me uh, is my partner and brother, younger brother, Scott Wilson. <laughs> How's everybody doing today? And uh, our vice president of HR, Jason Eisenhut. Hi, everyone. And Nikki Navarro, working the board. So thanks for joining us to our monthly podcast. Uh, this month, the topic is uh, post-accident best practices. So for workplace injuries, what uh, what what to do, how and when to do it uh, after a workers' comp claim. And this is one that we've had a number of requests for this, so we figured we would squeeze this in before the end of the year. Right hopefully our, you don't see it, or if right. you don't see it often, but if you do, be well, hopefully this podcast will help this everyone will help get you. ready. Yep. Right, our last uh, podcast of the year. Yeah, happy holidays. So the um, so uh, you know as we're talking about post uh, post accident, so you're assuming an accident has happened and uh, the clock starts. What do you do, right? Definitely. So you know our our goal at Employco and our workers' comp team has always been uh, when an injury happens, we want to know right away. We want to know as quick as possible. We actually use a telephonic. Uh, 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 triage, triage triage system that as soon as the the person is done speaking with a, a, a nurse that nurse is either going to direct them to self-care urgent care or emergency the uh, our whole team gets a copy of that report within a few minutes so we know that a claim has happened so for us it's that starts the clock it's which, quick action which is right there's nothing worse than a than a a, uh, a late reported claim so you really as a uh, as an employer you want to know what happened, how it happened, how can I prevent it from happening, and then how quickly can we get uh, proper treatment to the person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and all the who, what, where, one, tr- try and document as quickly as possible, whether or not that's kind of coning off, taping off the scene, and then taking pictures. Obviously, the person needs to be tended to immediately with it's an emergency 911, but anything that an employer can do to truly document, take pictures with rulers in the scene to show the scale and the size take a video, like make sure the, the video, the surveillance footage doesn't get overridden. That's actually like that. what I was going to say. If you're a larger company and can afford a surveillance system or at least a monitoring system, it's always a good idea because video shows whether it's the employer's fault or not, it shows what happened. Right, right so you want, and uh, you know, if it's a public place or if it's your own workplace and you've got uh, video, you want to make sure that that video is preserved. If it's a public place, you also want to look at uh, if the you know if it's at a convention center, for example, and the security there is called or the medical team from that building is called, do you want to make sure you get a copy of the reports as well? But you, know, you really want to know what what happened and how it happened. Is there something that uh, you know, could have with a long range plan of how can it be prevented from happening? But when you start looking at your claims reporting, it it happens. Uh, the claim has happened. You want to interview that person as soon as possible. Uh, we recommend recorded statements on on every uh, on all the parties, but really you should look at one the employee, two the supervisor, and then three the coworkers. Any witnesses? Right, the, any type of witnesses because the witnesses are going to be helpful as one to for that preventative action in the future, but also uh, as a from a corporate standpoint, if depending on who is at fault, is it a human error on the employee side or not? Uh, those co-worker interviews are uh, usually quite helpful. And I think what's unique with our telephonic triage is that they're speaking to a nurse, registered nurse, so they're bilingual. Gonna feel bilingual. They're going to feel more comfortable telling what exactly happened. So it's really going to cut down on fraud. Because if they say, yes, I hurt my right shoulder, whatever, then all of a sudden the next day they're coming in and their left shoulder hurts. You're going to know from the recorded statement 
Uh that something's up and it happens you hate to you know you want to trust everybody but fraud does occur and in workers comp it happens more times than i think any other industry yeah so on uh on the fraud side something that as you work with your insurance company or your hr team on the process uh, once once you gather all this information you're going to submit it to your insurance company or whoever your provider is or if you're working with an hr outsourcing company like ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, we're actively involved in that it's going to go to the insurance company uh, you want to get as much information as you can as quickly as uh, as possible. Whether the person, whether you suspect fraud or not, uh, the goal is to have open communication with your employee. You want to get the best treatment for your employee as soon as you can. You want the communication post-accident, whether you're following up with them or your insurance company. And even if your insurance company is, I would recommend for your operations person or someone within your company to be in contact with that employee, especially if they're off work. You want them to know that you take claims seriously and you want you want them to get better and you want them to come back to work. And stay involved. I mean, right. that's the... Not every insurance company is awesome. There's yeah. a lot of suboptimal insurance and, and companies. And you see it all the time where you'll report a claim to an insurance company and it'll be five or six days before an adjuster calls the injured worker. You know, that, that first three to five days is so important for a claim because that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the point in time where the employee is thinking in his mind, I'm off work or she's off work and they don't care about me, you know, what's going to happen with my claim. I, you know, I can't return to work because I'm injured. What's, you know, what's, you know, how am I going to pay my bills? What, you know, so having someone to be able to talk to them and say, look, if you're off work for X number of time, what your wages are, what you're going to get paid, it's important to people. So the better you treat your your employees, the uh, the, the easier the process is, and the less likely that they'll retain an attorney. Right. Yeah. And the quicker the the employee, the manager, the witnesses get interviewed, the more likely the memory doesn't fade, and you can get honest and and candid feedback of what happened, which will ultimately what their goal is to prevent it from happening again in the future. So to get to the root cause, ask these why questions, and keep digging, and then. Make sure the everyone feels as though it's not like a witch hunt and it's collaboration. And if if they feel like they're we're looking finding someone to get fired or put bl- place blame, they won't be as open. So you may not get to that root cause of truly prevent it from happening again in the future. And that's uh, Shirley Warfield, who's our uh, claims manager. So Shirley, she put together a pretty comprehensive claim kit. People complain because it's like twenty seven pages long, but a big part of that is. What happened and how can we prevent it? A whole section of you know, we want to know what happened on the claim, but and so your supervisors and your team can figure out how can I prevent that from happening again. And I know you keep going back to the recorded statement with the telephonic triage, but again, talking to a nurse, the person's more relaxed. The nurse is actually genuinely yeah, caring, point. worried about the person to make sure that they're all right to get the right treatment. But in the process, you find out a lot of information that just taking a statement by someone that doesn't have a medical background would miss. So I think, I mean, the products that we offer, not patting our backs, but between Shirley, the triage, telephonic triage, there's so many number of things that can really limit the exposure and help prevent things in the future because you have good, really, really good documentation that you can go back to and say, all right, what happened? How can we fix it? And if there is uh, some type of doubt about fraud or some concern, we, we have the recorded statement. We have, it's like someone like Shirley in our office, that's digging into it, know the right questions to ask. But we internally have some good experience with some ways to like, try and weed out some fraud, whether or not it's surveillance and some claims that we've had experience with in the past. 
Yeah, and, and sure. So um, a lot of times on the insurance company side, when they start looking at fraud, it doesn't really, they don't really look at surveillance or, or what to do on fraud until six months, a year later. Uh, you know, trust your gut. If you if you're a day into the claim and say, you know, I don't think this happened, or it's a Monday morning. You know, the most fraudulent claims happen on a Monday morning. Mm. A guy hurts his back moving the refrigerator on a Sunday, drags himself into work, and has a claim mm-hmm. on Monday, because now it's not under health insurance. Either way, your bill's going to be paid, but now you're getting paid for your lost wages. So trust your gut. If you if you have the sense that you know I don't think this claim happened, or you know, if there's doubt. Tell your insurance company. Talk to your HR team. We put someone under surveillance much quicker than uh, than you typically would, and that's something that we we pay for a surveillance team, and we don't wait for an insurance company. And we've had great results. You know, when you look at, you know, we a guy that said he, you know, we, we had a guy that said that he, uh, you know, was doing manual labor. We found him on video surveillance. He was working at a cemetery digging graves. Oh wow! And. You know, telling us that he couldn't go back to work. Clearly, you know, you've got some pretty solid video. Another guy digging out a tree stump and shrubbery, and I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on. Yeah, the, and it's the surveillance, the tenacity of keeping up with it and not letting it go away. You really have to be vigilant because this claim is going to affect you for the next three years and your experience, Matt. Right. We had a couple of uh, we've had a couple of people indicted for workers' comp fraud in mm-hmm. Illinois. Unfortunately, they always plead down, but you know, you're right. It, it follows you for three to four years from a claim experience, but uh, also fraud. You, you know, you want to you want to send the message that you don't tolerate fraud. You know, we had one guy for three weekends in a row. We had him under surveillance, and he couldn't. He said he couldn't lift his arms above his shoulders, and we had him carrying a 24-foot ladder, extension ladder, putting it up against a tree on his property, climbing the ladder, and using a chainsaw to cut branches off. Right. On video, yeah, and then when uh, our attorney is in uh, court with uh, with uh, with the plaintiff's attorney at the workers' comp commission, he said, "Wait until you see what we have." And his attorney said, "Oh, what do you you got my guy bowling?" Because I mean, I I told him he shouldn't be bowling. And he's like, "No, we have it's w- better. We have way better than bowling." <laughs> so yeah, uh, carrying a twenty four foot extension ladder when you can't put your hands above your head, not good. And, you know, yeah, yeah, and. and uh, video of all day of the chainsaw well above his shoulder so it's uh, good to have evidence and you know unfortunately if you don't have that if it's a fraudulent claim and you don't have evidence you're not going to win and why we say sooner uh investigate than later is in most states you know if you wait a year and then you have surveillance the claim's not going to go away you're you're just reducing the future aspect of the claim so you're not going to get back what happened because their defense is, well, uh, you know, he's feeling better now. Right. But if you can if you can get that surveillance quicker, the quicker you do it, the better. But uh, so that's our uh, our two cents on fraud. So definitely, uh, it's going to help reduce your your claims and uh, and the value of those claims. But so another thing to move on to from a from a post accident side is uh, OSHA. Yeah, so if, if there is a reportable injury. So OSHA, a few years ago, changed uh, what type of injuries or accidents are required to be reported. Previously, it was all fatalities in uh, inpatient hospitalizations of three or more employees. But a few years ago, they changed that. Now it's still all fatalities. But now even if one employee is hospitalized, admitted for inpatient care, that's reportable amputations and the loss of an eye. So any of those categories 
Make sure you notify OSHA as quickly as possible. There are certain requirements like eight hours within fatality. So make sure you notify OSHA as quickly as possible if, if, there's, if it meets one of those criteria. Yeah, and that's a phone call. As a phone call or uh, filing a report, you can file the report online. You can fax it in. You can do it over the phone. But they're, they're very, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, you know, they're, they'll dole out the fines very easy. So the one, too, that is hard to fight is if you report it late. So if it's a fatality of eight hours, if someone's in the hospital and admitted, you have to report it the next day. If you don't report it the next day, the minimum fine typically is $5,000. Uh, and then if you're at, at Cal OSHA, you know, some of the states have state-specific OSHA departments, such as California. That's a $5,000 fine that there's no negotiating. So mm -hmm. and if there is... And it's not going to be covered by workers' comp. This is coming from you. Right, right. OSHA, your OSHA fines are, are not covered by your insurance. So that's something, you know... Uh, and you've got to show corrective action. There's multiple hearings. It, uh, uh, you really have to, uh, you know, you, you want to avoid... Uh, you don't want to mess around with OSHA. Right. right, absolutely. And that's something, you know, happy to help you if you, uh, if you run into that case as well. So it, mm -hmm. um, and you want to keep your logs up to date? Right, you know, with your OSHA 300 log, I mean, those, uh, you know, uh, our team's working on that uh, right now because they, have, they don't have to be posted until, uh, until next year, but... Yeah, your OSHA 300 log must be posted at your uh, at your company every year. It depends how how much activity you've had, but a lot of work goes into it to make sure they're right and the the, mm -hmm. the compliance is is met. So, uh, I mean, we missing anything else? No, I know we're running a little long today, but this is a really important topic. That again, quick action. Our approach using a telephonic triage is the way to go. Yeah, work, and work collaboratively with your employees to make sure they feel comfortable sharing any sh potential shortfalls or pitfalls and safety hazards with the management team mm -hmm. work collaboratively come up with an action plan in advance to make you're prepared for any accident before it happens and document right investigate and really have to take action quickly and uh you know post accident our advice is don't wait for the insurance company keep that open communication with your uh with your employee you know if the employee does retain an attorney it it does create a different set of rules. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you definitely, depending on the state, are restricted of what you can talk to that employee about. Typically, you can't talk about the claim again. So also, that's a, a part. The quicker you do things, uh, you know, if you think they're going to retain an attorney, the quicker you do things before that, uh, you can. Right. So, but uh, investigate and uh, act quickly and keep, uh, keep communication. Stay involved. Exactly. Right. Right. You know, there's nothing worse than, you know, and some insurance companies do an awesome job and others sometimes it falls in a crack and uh, you don't want to pay the price for that for the next three years right four years so so thanks for uh, joining us for the the uh, last podcast of the year we'll be back in january with a, we've got a number of podcasts uh, planned and if you've got topics that you would uh, yeah, keep that those like, suggestions coming in love great them. like today's topic was based off suggestion and the more you know we get tons and tons of suggestions but we go off of whoever has the most suggestions or topic we do that. So keep them coming in. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, at employco. At employco. Uh, any of the social medias we're on. Emails hr at employco.com or info at employco.com. Right. Yeah, and they, so if they want that autographed picture of uh, you, Jason, <laughs> you go right to yeah. HR. It's on eBay, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You find it on eBay. Yeah, $1. Awesome. Nice. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks Thank for listening. You.